You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I am here, Aaron's here, and Cooley is joining us for a little Cooley and Kevin uh, Friday here, Cooley via phone. Um, and we, we, we're going to get to Redskins, beat Jets if, and I want to ask Cooley about Greg Williams and the time that he you know, spent with Greg Williams here in Washington and other things. We'll go around the league a little bit. But um, we've got to start with last night's Thursday night game and what happened late in that game. Most of you know by now, Miles Garrett uh, takes Mason Rudolph's helmet off and then whacks Rudolph over the head with the helmet. Uh, he was ejected. Uh, there were Marquise Pouncey jumped in to protect uh, Rudolph. He threw a couple of punches at Garrett, kicked him in the helmet on the ground. It was a complete and utter melee uh, to, to, to finish up an evening that was just as boring a game as you can get. And by the way, let me just say up front, one of the worst quarterbacking performances all season long by Mason Rudolph, who was just dreadful in the game. Four interceptions, and Cooley, I thought he could have had seven in the game. He was so bad. But let's start with Miles Garrett. And before you weigh in, I want to play Joe Buck and Troy Aikman's reaction um, when the play happens, and then you'll hear them as they see the replay. They're, they're, well, they're, they're absolutely, I mean, this is multiple game suspension right here. It's just, I mean, it's, I, I hate that anybody even has to watch this. This is, this is barbaric is what this is. Eight seconds left in this game, and that's what, that's what everybody's walking away from this Thursday night game with. That's it's it's horrible. It's horrible, and these two teams meet again in 17 days. Think what that's going to be like. I hate that anybody even has to watch this. Was it really that bad, Chris Cooley? Go ahead. You have at it first. Well, I, I loved that I got to watch it. <laughs> it was entertaining. It was the worst game of all time. Uh, yeah. It, at some point, I think Troy says, or Joe says, this is the worst thing I think I've ever seen on a football field. Yeah, he did say that too. But. You know, you look at it, and a win's a win, and it just doesn't overshadow a win, according to Miles Garrett. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, man. It was fun to watch. It was interesting to watch. It was insanity. Nobody does that. I don't know where in in the world, up 21-7, you think that you need to wrestle the quarterback down three seconds after the play, and and granted, Mason kind of tried to take Garrett's helmet off, but I think he had every right at that point to – well, no, he t- he tried out. to take Garrett's helmet off first. That I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying is, get, but Garrett was tackling him three seconds after the ball was out of his hand. Yeah. It was crazy. He was trying to wrestle him to the ground. It was nonsense. And I, I get it. He's trying to take Garrett's helmet off. I get it. Um, Garrett can take his helmet off and throw his helmet in the other direction. Say, go get your helmet, kid. But to swing it at him. Gosh, can you imagine if the crown hit him, what we'd be talking about right now? Yeah, it, it certainly had, you know, it had, you know, mean. it had, as Mike Tyson used to say, bad intentions. Um, it, it certainly could have been much worse. See, so, first of all, um, you know, Miles, nothing I'm going to say, please understand this, Um gets in the way of my overarching theme, which is Miles Garrett's reaction was outrageous. 
And what he did deserves the maximum. And he's going to get six games, I I believe, when all is said and done. And he's going to get fined a a ridiculous sum of money. And all of that is deserved. That reaction is over the top. With that said, I also felt in the moment the reaction from Buck and Aikman and then on Twitter where it seemed like 99% of the reaction – was the same as Buck and Aikman's, which is this is the worst thing that anybody has ever seen ever in a sporting event. This is awful. And, uh, you know, it was players, it was coaches, it was fans, media people. They all had the same reaction. And for me, it's just the way I felt in the moment. Again, not excusing Miles Garrett at all. I mean, they should throw the book at him in terms of a suspension and a fine. But it was like, really? This is the worst thing you've ever seen in a sporting event? I know that people want to believe that they've just witnessed the worst thing or the greatest thing in the history of mankind when they see it or they're watching it. It's sort of what, you know, we've become as sports fans or just as as a culture. You always want to believe that you were there for the moment. Last night was not the worst thing I have ever seen on a field. Not even close. It was bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy was trying to really hurt Rudolph. All right. And could have, as you said, could have split his whole head open right there. But I I have watched football and sports for a long time. You want to see something awful? Go, Go Google Turkey Jones taking Terry Bradshaw and pile driving his head into the ground where it looked like Bradshaw was crippled and he was paralyzed for like two days. Go watch George Atkinson from the Raiders take a forearm to Lynn Swan's head, unsuspecting, and tries to maim him. You know, the, the Hainsworth thing on Andre Garat is the worst suspension for a first-time thing. He got five games. I actually didn't think that that was, that was bad. Last night was comparable to that. Go look at some Dick Butkus highlights or Jack Tatum. And I understand I'm talking about decades ago. And it's a different game and it's a different era. But we've seen some pretty bad things on fields and in, in in, on ice. I mean, the malice, the palace on an NBA floor going into the crowd. I just, I thought the reaction was over the top. That was one of my reactions to it. And then the other one was, was this. Um, Mason Rudolph is grabbing his helmet. That prompted a reaction. It didn't deserve that reaction, but he's trying to take the dude's helmet off. And, you know, I'm not saying Mason Rudolph should be suspended or that he should have been ejected. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the reason that thing turned into a melee was because Rudolph is kneeing uh, Miles Garrett in the groin and trying to rip his helmet off or grab his helmet from the back and rip it and take it off. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to take him off the hook. By the way, did you hear what OJ said? I, OJ, I didn't even know he had a Twitter, and I was just scrolling through Twitter, pulled up OJ's, and then I ended up watching like 20 OJ tweets. Well, let me let me play what OJ said on on his little Twitter video after the game. This was OJ Simpson, who apparently I guess tweets videos out all the time. I remember when he launched his Twitter site, Aaron, maybe a year ago. I think I saw the first two. I haven't seen him since. But here here was OJ after the after the game last night. Look, all I know is this: the minute Mason went after the man's helmet with his foot in his groin, it's on. I'm hearing all these announcers saying 
uh, that Garrett should be suspended. Maybe he should. But when a guy's trying to get your helmet off your head, and that's where it started, why, with his foot in your groin, it's on. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Take care. <laughs> Apparently, Greg was telling me this morning that he ends every single Twitter video with, I'm, I'm just saying. saying. Yeah. So, I don't even know if he means to. So right, what, so what do you, here, what's your my, response here, to what I said? Here's, here's my thought on it. Okay. First of all, it's not the worst thing we've ever seen on a field because when you see somebody have to be carted off and they can't move, that's worse. So I get what you're saying with that, but it is probably the most criminal thing we've ever seen on a football field. That happens at a bar. That's assault with a deadly weapon, brother. <laughs> that's, that's pending legal charges, what he did to Mason Rudolph. So go through the whole thing again. People start talking about Mason Rudolph trying to rip off Garrett Tellman, and that's what initiated this whole melee. It's, it's Garrett tackling Rudolph Four seconds after the play. That wasn't four seconds after the play. Well, it was way plenty long enough. You know that, and I know that. It was it was, it was late. But... It was very late, and he could have pulled up, and he was still trying to tackle him to the ground, wrestle tackle him to the ground. It was nonsense, and he's done that a bunch of times. He's done yeah. that two or three times this year. He's been flagged, been flagged for it. He's, he's a dirty player. He's dirty when it comes to hits on the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. So he aggravated Rudolph. I'm not saying Rudolph should have tried to rip his helmet off. In fact, I'm saying if I'm Rudolph, I'm probably not going to mess with Miles Garrett. I'm probably just say, what are you doing, man? You're insane. And let it go. Because I'm going to lose to Miles Garrett. In no world is Mason Rudolph going to hold his own <laughs> against Garrett. Right. So that was just dumb in itself. But the Garrett reaction literally makes no sense to me. Who decides I'm going to hit them with their helmet? Yeah, no, Nobody. I, I, I so totally agree with the that. The worst thing in football, the worst thing you've seen on a football field, it's the most illegal thing I've seen on a football field ever. Nah, not me. Illegal? No, I'm, I, I don't. <coughs> I, I mean, apparently. Compared to Haynes, the Haynesworth thing, a one on a scale of one to ten compared to hitting someone in the head with a helmet. I. I, I get it. It was it was bad. It was bad. Um, I, I I I totally understand that. But I don't and know. It's going to be the season. Go watch Turkey Jones. What he did to Terry Bradshaw. He nearly crippled um, the man. Again, that was part of the game at that point. Yeah. I'm not arguing that it's the worst thing I've seen on a football field, because if it's the worst thing, I cringe and don't want to watch it. I was entertained by it, the fight. Yes. Like this, a snapping of the leg. When you got to watch a replay of somebody's leg being snapped, like Alex yeah, Smith's worse. a year, that's that's worse to watch. Much worse. Like like I, I mean, Troy Aikman. Come on, I, I hate that anybody has to watch this. I mean, now, it, it's, now, come on. Put his it, head open, knock him out cold. Could have then, then it really. Then it would have been bad. Yeah, if he had split his or head open, really and it had fallen out all over the field, that would have been terrible. That's true. You know, there's an incident when this happens, these kind of things happen in practice, and the players sue the other player. Well, Mason Rudolph's agent, apparently, and I'm just reading this because it just came out moments ago, um, they're, not, uh, they're not ruling out any legal, legal options that they may have. I, 
I don't. I mean, the 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 attorney aggravated assault. The agent says, "I'm gathering all information, and no options have been removed from the." It's an aggravated assault. It is on a football field. Would 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 he be convicted? No chance. It would change. By the way, if he was, it would change everything about the NFL. Just like the Marty McSorley thing did in hockey. No legal action is going to be taken. I don't think they're not going to do that. No, they're not going to do that. And the NFL would step in 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 terms of trying to help out Garrett in that aspect. But I don't know, man. I I I just the thing that I thought was the the best of the whole deal was listening to Garrett afterwards talk about. The game's not going to be overshadowed by that moment. Like, you, <laughs> the win. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah he did. Are you serious? Yeah. This is going to be the only thing anybody talks about tomorrow. No one cares that you won and that you're four and six. Do we have that sound? Do we have that sound, um, Aaron? Yeah, hold on. This, this was uh, so this nonchalant. Was, this was Miles Garrett after the game. How tough is it for you guys to play the game, kind of game you did, and then to have it all seem to be overshadowed by by that play? Oh, a win's a win. I don't think it's overshadowed by and what happens in, in eight seconds. You know, play a hell of a game on defense. Offense came out firing, and uh, we held it down from from there on. And uh, what we uh, what we did on, on the field of play for the rest of that game for last, you know, for the first 59 minutes, you know, that shouldn't go unnoticed. <laughs> I had actually not heard that particular soundbite, the one you were referring to. But oh, that's that's what I started with. So that's yeah. why you didn't get. That's why you didn't get a kick out of it. Yeah, I had I had not heard that one yet. I I had heard another one that wasn't that one. But me, meantime, as he right yeah, meantime as he's saying that, literally. Twitter and social media are treating him like he's Charles Manson. Seriously, like the the, the reaction on Twitter is he's sitting there telling you a win's a win. It's not overshadowing it. They are basically pinning this guy up like he's he's a, he's a on the top ten most wanted list. Um, at that point, that's pretty funny. Um, anyway, you know, um, I'll tell you this thing. This Miles Garrett is a great player. If you told me today we could trade Trent and a third rounder for Miles Garrett, I would make the deal immediately. Immediately. He's dominant, Cooley. He's he plays with an edge and he's dirty. I get that. And la- and he's going to get fined and suspended justifiably so. Make sure uh, everybody out there listening, I completely understand how off the charts, nuts, crazy, inappropriate, uh, uncalled for his actions were, and he's he should get fined to the to the max for it and suspended. But man, is he a good player! Wow, he's unblockable. Yeah, good, good players seem to make you think differently about the rules, right? I'm sorry. Good players make you think a little differently about the rules of life. <laughs> yes, they do. Um. <laughs> Mason Rudolph last night. I mean, I mean, this is terrible to say, but n- because awful. of what happened at the end, nobody's going to remember what was truly, uh, in terms of the games I've watched, the worst quarter- quarterback performance of the season. He it's up there. Oh, he was dreadful. He's he, not good. He can't play. Yeah, he, he hasn't been good at any point in the season. They've moved the ball some at times. The defense has actually gotten really good for Pittsburgh, especially since they got the safety from Miami. But Fitzpatrick, yeah, yeah. But he—I've he, watched three or four games on film of, of Rudolph, and I, I'm not impressed, even a little bit. 
they are not going to move forward with him if it wasn't going to be Ben next year. Well, they should play the guy that played, you know, Duck Hodges or Devlin with Duck Devlin Duck Hodges, the guy that came in for a couple of games and played. He was he, he's better than Rudolph. Can you, they're going to bench Rudolph after getting whapped in the head. <laughs> right. Right. Um, a couple of, of, of other quick things, just real quickly, because there was a football game. It was a dreadful football game. I watched it, um, all of it. Um, I, I bet uh, Cleveland last night and, and laid the number. Nick Chubb is really good. Mayfield's not good. I want your opinion about Mayfield here. But, man, Chubb is a an elite runner, I think. What do you think? They have two really good backs now with Kareem Hunt and yeah. Chubb. And I think Chubb is a very back and they do not run the ball enough they, they get too excited about trying to throw the ball I think it gets a little bit tough and a little bit gray with Mayfield based on some of their offense and what they're doing because when when you watch them and, and the way they call plays and what, what Freddie Kitchens has done he's really not gotten a feel for what he wants to do offensively this year I think Freddie's struggling as much as Baker and it goes hand in hand but no, I don't. I'm not impressed by Baker at all right now. Yeah, I I, I just haven't been. I, he looks like he is one of those quarterbacks, Chris, who is whose height actually seems to impact his throwing lanes. Like he's never in the right place. It seems to make an accurate throw. He's got a, he he always gets out of the pocket. I think sometimes sooner than he has to. A lot of times. Right? Yeah. And he has Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. So let's find a way to make some plays before Beckham. Yeah, I mean, they they should be better than they are. Um, they actually, you know, it was funny. Before the melee started last night, you know, when, I, when it was clear that they were going to win the game, and I don't even know how Pittsburgh hung in there. They got it to 14-7 to and had the ball back like two or three times down one score in that game, but they had no chance of really moving it with, with Rudolph. But um, I started looking at Cleveland, you know, and whether or not they could make a run. They had the Bengals twice, the Dolphins, the Cardinals left. You know, before losing, they're going to lose Miles Garrett, obviously, for, you know, maybe the rest of the regular season. They've got six games left. But I was thinking last night at the end of the game, they've won two in a row at home against the Bills and the Steelers. Now they get the Dolphins next. They're going to make a run back into this thing, even with Mayfield. You know, they're good enough to do that. <clears throat> maybe not with the, without Garrett, but, man, their schedule is easy the rest well, of the well, way. They're good, they're, they're good enough with the schedule, but I just think it's funny. What were they? They were in the top five Super Bowl odds to start the season. I know. They're not that team. They're not a no way team that I'd be winning in the playoffs. I agree. I totally agree with that. I don't. I don't think they'd be any of the top six teams in the AFC. I don't think they'd be any of the top eight or nine teams in the AFC. Yeah, they're not. They're not. But they are talented. But yeah, the thing is, is if they play defense the way they can, they blitz so much too, and they get beat sometimes. But they play defense the way they can, and they find that run game and get back to that favorite brilliant with some of the run calls. Yeah. But it's just hard for them because they're so gun oriented, and it's hard to really start to marry some of your run stuff with getting throws down easy throws down the foot. You can, but it's it's not as it's not as easy. And you're right, if they're not. In gun, Baker can't see the field. It seems like if he's ever got to drop back or if he's ever got anyone in a lane, then he's just going to move out of the pocket. 
So I don't I don't see them as as a great team. I you know I don't I didn't like Pittsburgh, but their defense what what Tomlin's doing with that defense and what they have going on is really good. It's just they have nothing on offense. No. No, they they they, they really don't. <clears throat> um, one last thing on that was that game. One last thing on on the on the brawl at the end. First of all, what's the worst situation you've ever been in with respect to a brawl in a game? Oh, I've never been a part of a brawl. What about being on not. the field when there was one? Uh, no. I think there was a couple small scraps on the field, but no. I I told my wife this this morning though, because she was watching Pouncy punch and kick Garrett. Right. I said, if someone hit one of my friends on the field, but swung a helmet and hit him in the head with the helmet, I, I'd probably do the same thing. He got you. Yeah, that was I think my. That's where you got to. That that's where you got to step up for your teammate. I, I think you got you. By the way, how about <laughs> Rudolph got hit again? Yeah, by number sixty-five. Yeah. Sixty-eight, yeah, whatever. Maybe Joey or something. Yeah, he gets hit again in the back. You're like, oh my god! And then looks up like, what? What is going on here? I mean, what, what, that was going to be my next question. Is you know, yeah, I would have went out. Yeah, I got no problem. Pouncey did probably probably don't need the kick in the head. That that's the one thing you probably pull back. Plus, he's got a helmet on. What are you going to do? It was a bad kick as it was. You're not going to hurt him kicking him in the helmet. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember, and everybody else who's a Redskin fan remembers Jeff George in the 2000 season, late in that season, they're playing the Cowboys, and he gets hit late and then gets into a little uh, fisticuffs uh, with uh, the Cowboy defensive lineman, whose name is escaping me right now, and he gets tossed around like a rag doll, and nobody, not one player, came to his defense which was pretty telling. I remember the reaction from, you know, Redskin fans like me. It's like, wow, they must hate Jeff George. Or they I mean, nobody came to his defense. And it's a rivalry game too, you know. And um last night's a rivalry game in Pouncey when he saw that no matter how bad his quarterback had played, he went after Miles Garrett. Um and he'll probably get suspended and fined seriously, but he did the right thing. I'm I I'm with you on that. I don't think they'll suspend him. He'll probably get a fine. Yeah, uh, the uh, the guy. Um, what's the guy from FS1? Nick, uh, Nick, um, Aaron. Is it Nick Wright? Is that who is FS1? I think so. Yeah, he's the one that reported this morning that Garrett's going to get four games minimum, six games max, and that up to eight other players are going to get fined and/or suspended. Oh, I know one other thing from this game. You're going to agree with me on this, I think. So. Uh, Rudolph stays in the game because there's a fourth down and he takes a knee on the fourth down and the clock goes down to five seconds but because it's a change of possession it requires Cleveland to come out and take a snap to run the clock out well both teams are emptying the field Tomlin and Kitchens are trying to do their best to keep the teams away from each other let's get to the locker room this thing was ugly this was you know we got to get out of here. Nobody, no more fights. No more anything. And the NFL, and they do this all the time. They require you to come back out and put eleven on the field for one final snap in a twenty-one to seven game. It makes no sense to me. Why do they do that? No, when I was watching the game, I thought that that was one of those situations where the Steelers' offense says, "Yo, 
we're going to snap the ball and stand here for eight seconds. Just stand here. The game's going to end. We're going to walk in. But you don't need to take and just stand there for eight seconds. No one was going to play another play. The game was over. Uh, exactly. I mean, there should be the 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 referee. Sh- Here's the deal in a situation like that. I know why the NFL wants these games played to completion because of things like the point spread. You know, sure. if there's another play to be played, it could. In, but in a situation like last night, you know, the referee should have at his discretion the ability to say it's 21 to seven. There's not going to be another score in this game. It's going to be a knee, and the game's over to run off the final five seconds. Both coaches have told me that they've agreed to it. So that's what we're going to say: that the final play was need out. The teams do not have to come back from their locker rooms to uh, to take one final snap. It's it's stupid. Remember, um, I believe this is true, Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe after the Stefan Diggs-Case Keenum play in the playoff against New Orleans, when they made him come out and kick the extra point in that game um, when the game was over, that that's the last time that the NFL then instituted a rule now that if you score a walk-off touchdown at the end, you're not going to be required to come out and kick the extra point because really all, all a team has to do is go out there, line up in two-point conversion, and take a knee. Yes. So am I right about that, that they, they don't have to do that they, they don't have to do it. I don't know if it was right after the Diggs play. That was definitely the last notable time. Yeah. But yeah, they have changed that rule since. Yeah, so it would have been a, it would have been at the owners' meeting in the offseason. Yeah, would change that rule in season. I think so. All right. Um, let me do a quick uh, read for uh, mybookie.ag, and then Cooley and I will do a Redskins beat the Jets if, and we'll get Cooley's thoughts uh, on the game Sunday. Mybookie.ag is a reliable book for you to place bets and wager through. A lot of these places you're going to check out aren't reliable. Uh, mybookie.ag, fast payouts, quality lines. You can rely on them. You can trust them. I wouldn't be telling you guys this if it weren't true. They've got all the latest lines in football, basketball, any sport you want to bet. Uh, you can continue to bet as the game goes on. They've got in-game live betting as well. Go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, Kevin DC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, and they'll double your first deposit. MyBookie.ag, Kevin DC, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get to Redskins beat Jets if. All right, they've got a game Sunday uh, after a bye week. It'll be Dwayne Haskins' first home start Sunday. A game, by the way, that if you want to attend, you can go and get tickets right now on StubHub for 10 bucks. Decent seats, too. You can sit in the lower level for 25 to 30 bucks Sunday at FedEx Field. Wow. I mean, I think it might be the, the, the most sparse – is that the way to say it? It's not sparsest. The most sparse crowd ever because you don't have an opponent whose fans care either. That's my guess. Anyway, Redskins beat Jets if – uh, let's do it the way we used to do it. You give I me. Thought you stopped. I thought you said you weren't going to do this anymore. What? I wasn't. I wasn't. But you know what? I'm actually. I, I'm not excited enough to go to the game, but I am sort of intrigued to watch Dwayne Haskins here over the final seven weeks. So sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because we've got to stay in practice. You know, if we get out of practice in doing this, then by the time. You know the team is, oh, is right. yeah. By the time they're playing good games again, meaningful games, we, we will have forgotten 
that we ever did this. All right, you give one, I give one. We'll do it like we used to do it. Redskins beat Jets if. Go. They don't turn the ball over more than one time. <laughs> and? Well, they beat them if they, they, have, they have a chance to win if they don't turn the ball over more than one time. Now you have a point to make. I know, but so you're guaranteeing that if they have one turnover or less, they win the game? Well, I thought we had to compile this whole list of things, how they win. And yes. this is part of the list. Okay. I just, you know, the, the cliche turnover, you know, margin thing, I just thought you might save till the end. Um, I'll give you okay. my first one. The Redskins beat. That's an the, important one. The Redskins beat. It is important. I didn't try to minimize the importance of it, it but it, but it's important in almost every game. The Redskins beat the Jets if they are aggressive throwing the football early. The Jets are second in the league in rush defense, first in the league in yards per carry allowed. If old man Tom Callahan comes out. Like he has in the in the first four the last four games and runs Adrian Peterson on every first down and ninety percent of the second downs and seventy five percent of the third downs he's going to make his rookie quarterback one dimensional and that's not going to be pleasant against Greg Williams I think the opportunity on Sunday and I want your response to this is to throw the ball stretch the field early make them back off because after watching this team if you've scouted this team you've watched this team you're going to have eight in the box to start with and you can't run against them they're a good run defense they're not a good pass defense Daniel Jones Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew in the last three games have thrown for 850 yards and 10 touchdowns against the Jets. Throw it, throw it early, let Dwayne rip it early, and then you can come back and try to run the ball Callahan style. That's my first Redskins beat Jets if. I actually want you to respond to mine. <laughs> well, it's amazing for a team to be second in the league in and be anemic on offense and as bad as they are on, in pass defense. Like what they're doing against the run is, is really, really good, and they play a lot of safeties down in the box. They play a lot of cover, too. They, they rotate to a lot of two-shells, and the corners are, at, for as bad as they are in pass defense, they're actually pretty good run defenders. And so they make it really hard for you to run the ball. they got a good defensive front, and, and I think it's really tough. Um, yeah, you're going to have to throw the ball to win the day or to win on Sunday. Dwayne's going to have to be accurate as a passer. He's going to have to be able to negotiate the pocket a little bit. And if he has to get out and run with and win with his legs, you know, that's going to be important for him too. You got to get him going early. And I and I know you said you got to throw and open it up early, but you also got to get him feeling comfortable early, so he knows he can make some of these throws. And we've all seen Dwayne going back to Ohio State and some of the preseason stuff. When he feels good, you can see it in his face. You can see it in his body language, and he needs that as soon as possible. All right, what's your next one? Redskins beat Jets if? They beat the Jets if they can stop Darnold in that passing game, especially in third-down situations. It's not They're not amazing, but they do have weapons, and Jamison Crowder's one of them. You know, I doubled Jamison Crowder on third down. He's their primary on third down. Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield is a, a really good weapon for them. Demarius Thomas is still a capable receiver. They have zero tight ends. They actually max protect about 65% of their passes. Um, and then uh, 11. What's, his, what's the other? Robbie, uh, Robbie, Robbie, An- Robbie Anderson, right? Robbie Anderson is a guy that can win over the top. And they get big plays. Like that's the one thing that Darnold 
in this offense has done every once in a while is they get guys open and they get some big shots. So you've got to be able to shut down their pass game. Kevin, you also have to put pressure on Darnold. Their offensive line is, is really bad, and that's another reason why they leave an extra tight end in to protect a lot of the time is that they're getting pushed around up front. They're getting beat right away up front. And if we want to win, Ioannidis, Allen, Payne, that's got to be great interior pressure. Kerrigan or Sweat, off, especially off there, the offensive right side, that's got to be pocket collapsing pressure. We're, we're so much more talented than them up front with our front five versus their line that it shouldn't even be a – like, you should see it immediately. And that, they'll win if they do that. Um, quick um, aside here. You really like or liked, and I'm assuming still like, Trey Quinn. Do we know enough after nine games this year that it would have been better to keep Crowder? I know he gets hurt, and I know maybe the money wasn't worth it, but Crowder's better than Quinn, isn't he? Well, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a debate right now. Also a veteran player, uh, but as far as separation, yeah. Trey's got to do a better job of especially getting off the press and getting jammed at the line of scrimmage. Our offense has got to do a better job of understanding that he doesn't get off the press especially well. And so don't put him at the point and bunch situations and ask him to get vertical down the field. So it's kind of a, a two-part situation right there. But, um, yeah, the, and the hurt thing with Crowder, you know, a lot of these guys in that contract don't want to put bad tape out there. And I understand it to some extent. And I think that was part of why Crowder set out probably an extra three or four games for us last year. Really hurt it, just that he didn't want to put bad tape out. That's interesting. You have to ask him on that, but uh, you know, it, he, he was a very good player. Is a very good player for the Jets. When you watch him, you'll see you've seen it for us. And to me, he's their their biggest threat as a receiver. What is what is that noise? I don't know. It's gone now. Um, my second thing was what you've already alluded to. The Jets have had a difficult time protecting Sam Darnold. If Kerrigan and Sweat can't get home, you know, if they can't get four sacks this week, that's a problem and an indictment a little bit. The Jets are second in the league in the most sacks allowed this year, 39 this year. And the other thing, too, and I, I went back and watched some of the three games. I don't know why I did it. Maybe it was because I knew you were going to be on. But the one th- I like Darnold, but when he gets pressured, he does put some balls up for grabs, you know. And he's he's had uh, multiple pick games, and you if when you, when he gets pressured, occasionally he will throw inaccurately and put one up for grabs. So the Redskins have a chance, I think, Sunday to get four or five sacks and maybe you know one to two picks in the game. That would that would be. Awesome, and you're absolutely right on Darnold. And really, when I watched them in a few games, I came to the conclusion that he is a pocket passer. Right. And by that, I mean he does not want to leave the pocket. You have to force him to scramble outside of the pocket. Now, he'll step up and scramble through the A-gap, but he is going to stay in the pocket and try to survive. Kind of almost like Philip Rivers-like. It's just their line is so it's so hard for him to do that. If they want him to be good, they got to get him a couple pieces on the offensive line. All right, what's your next one? Or have you given me all of them sort of, you know, via this conversation? they got to have a couple guys make plays. Here, let's let's say this. they got to score a touchdown. Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> but they need a couple guys to make plays. They've had AP break off a couple 25-yard runs this season. But they need a big play. 
the big plays are so contagious in, in the NFL and in, in an offense, and they haven't had them. You've got to find a way to create big plays. And if they get a couple big plays, I think they'll get a little belief in, in who they are as an offense. You know, it's really amazing to think that the first half of the first game this year was the highlight of the season. That first half in Philadelphia, the long bomb to McLaurin, the long touchdown catch and run by Vernon Davis, the big plays that you were just talking about, you know, the chance, by the way, to get McLaurin again. Uh, we haven't. We it, that was the highlight of the season. Twenty to seven, I think it was at halftime. Like a little bit shocking, considering what we all thought they would be coming into the season. Keenum looked good. They're airing it out, and the second half they fall apart, and then it's one and eight, and they're lucky not to be zero and nine. That was that. That was it. The first half of the first game. It was a pretty good first half, though. <laughs> it was. It's a great you know, first. But, but the, you know, the, the difference with that first half is Vernon Davis makes this amazing catch and run, and right. Terry McLaurin gets deep over the top. And you had another chance in the second half with Terry in that first game to get over the top that changed that game as well. But that's the difference. They on two long plays. They aren't capable at this point, and – it's fair. It's a, you don't have a ton of weapons. You don't have a dynamic run game. They're not capable of going 12 plays down the field and consistently scoring. Sort of it's a not in, That's not in the game plan. Sort of a serious question. In that third quarter, when it was 20-7, to and Philadelphia came back, if you recall, and they scored on two consecutive drives to take the lead. And then it was that deep shot that Keenum overthrew McLaurin on. If the Redskins hit on that and they go on to win the game, you know, 34 to 28 or something like that, does the season end up being any different? Nope. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and it's also, like, when you look at it, at the time, we, we all thought Philly was really good. Yeah. Philly's not really good. They're, they're average. They, they can make the playoffs. They could, they could win the East. But they're not really good. Yeah, I I think uh, you know they've got a good. I, I actually think they've got a good chance of winning Sunday against the Patriots at home. Um, we'll talk about some of the other league games and teams. The the last thing I was just going to mention is while the Jets are bad in in terms of giving up big yards through the air, they do get pressure. You know, they get pressure. They're pretty good up front. Greg Williams is obviously very aggressive, and with a rookie quarterback, he might be more aggressive. They've got 12 sacks in their last three games with four forced fumbles on quarterbacks. So Haskins better be aware that he's got to get it out quickly, which Cooley, I thought he did a pretty good job of against Buffalo. Yeah, I thought he did a pretty good job as well. It was really simplified what they had against Buffalo. Uh, and they didn't have as many blitz pressures as you would have probably expected, in, in part because they had very little pass attempts, but yeah, he did a good job. As the game progressed, he missed a couple things in, t- in terms of seeing any kind of pressures, changing protections a little bit, but thought he, I thought he was fine in that game. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was it was fine. All it's right. going to be harder this week. It's, it's going to be a little bit harder. I, I would bet Greg will bring the house. 
I for a while, for a little, for a short period of time, did not think he would. I thought he might play a lot of coverage behind stuff, but I think he's going to. I think he wants to show everybody how smart he is and how easy it is to get pressure on young quarterbacks. I, I think he'll it'll be. I don't want to call it an arrogant game plan, but a confident <laughs> game plan. Um, all right, that's what I want to talk about next. I want to talk about Greg Williams because I I love hearing all of you guys talk about Greg Williams. There's like a real um, intrigue, respect. There's something there that you and Clinton and everybody else have for him. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to remind everybody that if you are listening to us on a platform that allows you to rate the show and review the show and subscribe to the show. Do all of the above if you don't mind. Obviously, don't rate us if you're going to give us a bad rating. Um, We'll take five stars. Uh, Subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. It helps us um, from an advertising standpoint. And we have an app now, the Kevin Sheehan Show app. It's available on your iPhone, in the App Store, on your Android, in the Google Store. Um, You've got my Twitter feed, the show's Twitter uh, feed. Uh, uh, it's another way to listen to the show. So I want to do to mention that. Um, all right. So Greg Williams is coming back. <laughs> By the way, do you know the first time he came back and coached against the Redskins, you were in that game? I don't remember. So when he didn't get the job in, you know, after Gibbs left in 2007, he was interviewed four times for it by by Snyder. He did not get the job. The first gig that he got after that was as the defensive coordinator in New Orleans. And in the 2008 season, Jim Zorn's second game that year after you guys lost the opener against the uh, against the Giants, who were the defending champions in a Thursday night game, uh, you beat the Saints and Greg Williams on a long bomb from Jason Campbell to Santana Moss in the fourth quarter. There we go. Thanks for that recall. You had in the game five catches, 72 yards in that game. Um, playing for your favorite coach, Jim Zorn. All right, tell us about Greg Williams. What was he like? What, am I right when I say that my gut feel listening to you and Clinton and Santana and other guys that played when Greg Williams was here with, with Joe that y- you guys really like him? So the reason I really liked Greg was he was always constructive, positive, helped me. No defensive coaches really did that in my career. And Greg consistently did it. If I had tendencies or I had something I was doing good or bad, Greg would always tell me. He was he, he, All the players loved him. He, he, he believed in himself. I, I will promise you that. Yeah. And we, we all joke, like, he, he's arrogant, but you love him because he believes in everyone around him. And so it really was, it really was easy to see how much he, he loved being a part of football and coaching and the guys that he was around. And when you have those guys doing it for the right reasons like that, and they're good at what they do, you love them. Did you think he was a really good coach, a really good defensive yeah. coach? I, you know, it was the first couple of years of my career, but, yeah, I thought he was an excellent defensive coach. You know, he made a couple different changes, went through the first two years, had some of the bar stuff with, with, with our team in the first year, and then we became an excellent defense in the second year. Then traded a couple key pieces away and Antonio Pierce and Ryan Clark and weren't very good again, but then found a way in the next year to be another excellent defense. And so, 
yeah, I think someone that can do that is a good coach. Um, yeah, the LeVar stuff, was that more him or Dale Lindsay, who was the linebackers coach? What was, I mean, I, I you know, I remember a lot of that stuff with LeVar getting benched for, um, oh God, what was the guy's? I just heard it wasn't Greg. I'm sorry? I said, I've heard it wasn't Greg. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, LeVar had a phenomenal year with Marty Schottenheimer. I, I just, I still think that that's the biggest mistake of, of the Snyder era and that LeVar would have turned into a much better player and had a much better career had Marty stayed and been his coach. Um, you know, one of the, the things that Greg, you know, you talked about Greg Williams being self-assured, you know, and, and if you're not, if you're not sure how great he is, just ask him, but he, um, he did something in that game after Sean's death in 2007 against Buffalo, which is still to this day the most surreal, one of the more surreal environments I've ever been in that stadium that day. You played that day a couple of days after Sean Taylor passed away. And he did something without telling the head coach that he would do it. He put 10 players out on the field to honor, um, to, you know, to, to, to honor Sean Taylor on that first play of the game. And Fred Jackson, by the way, the, the, the strange things, Fred Jackson, the, the Buffalo running back, who wore number 21, Sean's number, on that first play had a 21-yard run against 10 people. You know that, right? You know that story. Yeah, no one, and no one had a problem with that. Um, yeah, we, what was the reaction? No, I don't remember knowing. Okay. So I think we just started talking about it on the sideline. We just had ten. Okay. Do you remember so, that? Do you remember that day? Yeah, I do remember that day. What, I remember that week. What What do you remember specifically? Like what comes back? I know we've talked about this before, but it's been a while. Like that that day in particular was one of the most somber, large gatherings of people I think I've ever. Well, it is. I've never been at a gathering with that many people, you know, 75, 80,000 people, that sad. I've never been a part of a game that had anything like that and other than that game. and I've, So I've never been a part of a game that was, and really not just a game, the rest of the season that was truly dedicated and, and well, I guess dedicated to one player. We all loved him. Yeah. And... So that game and the and the rest of the season, the rest of the way, it was it was always thinking of Sean. Would Greg? Do you did you advocate or did the players advocate for Greg Williams to be named coach when that season ended? Cooley, he was the prohibitive favorite to be named the coach. He was being interviewed multiple times by Dan Snyder. Um, you know, Jim Zorn got hired as the OC before the head coach was hired. That was a strange situation, as as we all recall. What do you recall about Greg Williams being the head coach and the players? You know, uh, it, it, were you ever consulted, asked about it? Well, give me your memories from that. At the time, I was not involved in anything, and I remember wanting to keep Al to keep the offense. I thought that was what we were going to do. That Greg would become the head coach, Al Saunders would stay the offensive coordinator. And so, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I remember getting a text from Jim Zorn, like, hey, I'm excited to be your OC, and then another text, like, hey, I'm your head coach. Oh, <laughs> okay, Let's, here we go. <laughs> Can I come see your I, surgery? I, I, had no, I had no part in that. I had no part in, 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 the, in any of that. I don't remember being asked. I don't remember talking to the owner about it. So... 
I did it. I did a segment this morning on the show. You know, it's sort of dovetailing off Greg Williams being back in town, and we know that they tried to hire him last year to be the defensive coordinator to uh, replace Minuski. But I did a segment, basically the biggest what ifs of the Snyder era. Marty Schottenheimer to me is the the biggest what if of all time. Um, and then you know, to me, I, I still think Shanahan, Sean, Kyle. You know, that staff should have stayed. I think that the franchise would have been better off had, you know, the owner essentially empowered the coach more than he empowered a 23-year-old quarterback. But, you know, Greg Williams getting hired instead of Zorn, how much would things have been different? You would, you would, you could say that it would be very different and that we would have been great, but how can you say that? Well, I know, it, but what's your guess? I mean, we can't say anything for sure on that stuff. But Well, my guess is that Greg would have said, I want to be Vinny. I want to be the end-all, be-all. I want to be the GM, the coach. I want control of not only the game-day roster, but acquiring the game-day roster. I want the final say. And so, it obviously would have been different. I don't know if it would have been good or bad. You know, he didn't win in New Orleans. He <laughs> fired in New Orleans. So, got in trouble. I don't know how uh, he was a he's a very good defensive coach. And then you know, go for, I don't know, Kevin. Do you think he has any he chance? Gonna, okay, hold on. Do you think he's got I don't know if he, I don't know if he wants to be. Really? He does now. I think he does now. I think he has a chance now. I don't think he had a chance 3 years ago. I think all of the pay players to hit other players thing was too big of an aura to hire Greg Williams. I think we're past that enough, combined with the pool of potential head coaches that just doesn't exist at this point. Or, I mean, it does, but there's like the experience in the... I think he's got a chance. But that's if he wants to do it. He's getting paid really well to be a D.C., and he gets to coach players, and he doesn't have to deal with the head coach logistics. He's getting older. Adam, Adam Gase is in trouble. I mean, I know that they've come out and said that he isn't, but... I would think that he's in. Well, yeah, the the owner came out and said that he isn't, but he's not the real owner of the Jets. Right. His brother is. His brother is currently serving the United States as the ambassador to England. Right. We'll probably be back here next year owning the Jets. So his brother can endorse him all he wants, and Woody can come back and fire him. That's right. Um, All right, uh, switch subjects real quickly. Who's the best team in the NFL right now? Hard to say it's not Seattle. Really, you got Seattle. It's hard to say it's not New England, Seattle, <laughs> Baltimore is a very good team. San Francisco. Any four, any one of those four teams can win any game against each other. Yeah, it's really it. It is a hard question to answer right now. I'm, I'm not so sure we haven't been in this situation. They're all different. They're all very different teams. Right. That's where it's that's where it's wild. Is they. Like Baltimore is not similar to any team in the history of the NFL. Maybe us, to some extent, with a better defense from 2012. Maybe San Fran when Roman was there, but it's not, it's different than that with Kaepernick. New England's New England. They're, no one can say that they're the Patriots. San Fran and Seattle are a little bit similar. It's just San Fran's defense is a little better, and Seattle's quarterback is much better. Much better. I think Brian Schottenheimer is doing a good job in Seattle. Yeah, I mean he's get he's getting talked up as a potential head coaching candidate as he'll, he should. He might be one. What about the 49ers defensive coordinator Salah or Salah, however you Salah. pronounce? Yeah. What about him? 
I think he's going to be a potential head coaching candidate, and I think a big part of that is his excitement that you continue to see on the field with the guy. Like He's always pumped up. The players seem to love him. Everyone around him seems to love him. He's having a blast. They're kicking ass as a defense. The one thing, owners, I don't know how much you look at it, but that defense is so talented. Oh, my God. They are so good defensively. They're so fast defensively. I mean, they really, if the kicker makes a kick in overtime the other night, they're 9 and 0. They're 9 and 0 with, you know, arguably the best defense in football. The Patriots have a great defense, but they haven't played anybody, you know, until they played Baltimore. Um, the 49er defense is so good, and they can run the football. It's the quarterback that's the issue. That's the thing that I think is going to prevent them from winning the whole thing. He is going to prevent them from winning the whole thing. I, I, I don't think they can do it. I do. I thought about this the other day. New England game on a film. New England didn't play them how they would really play them, and I think it's in part because Belichick knows he's going to see them in the playoffs. To, uh, Baltimore, you're saying, because you faded out there yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. So, so how, how how should they have played them, or how will they play them in the playoffs? Well, I, just, I think they'll I think they'll play them a little bit differently. I think they'll squeeze the pocket a little bit more. I think they'll come with less pressure at times. I, I don't know. I mean, Bill always wants to win every game, but Bill also plays this long game every year. He's one of those guys that talks to his main coaches around the league and talks to everyone and like, has all of his detail on everyone. And like, He's also in a position where he can absolutely show Baltimore something that he's not going to show them in the playoffs. I don't know if he's that in-depth. I've, I've never... He's the only person I think of of doing that, but... It, uh, that said, I don't know what you can do to Lamar Jackson when he breaks four tackles and breaks three ankles along the way. <laughs> yeah, that that is um, that's really interesting because I mean, he, there's no risk of him losing the division. There's no nope. risk of him not making the playoffs by losing that game. There's no risk of him losing the division by losing that game. There is a risk of seeding. But, you know, and, and losing home field to Baltimore, you know, if it comes down to that, you know, which would be the, the reason you're not actually, you know, by the way, playing them differently doesn't mean you're, you're, you're intending to lose the game. It just means that you think there's a better way to win the game that you want to save for the game that matters the most in January. Yeah, it's your alt game plan. It's game plan B for what, you know, you spend all that time watching film and you might have saved your 10 best looks. Right. Belichick has said before that Baltimore is the team that, you know, has basically, you know, given them the most trouble over the years. I mean, they've, you know, the, the Ravens won two playoff games in Baltimore and probably should have won two more. You know, they were two and two uh, in Foxborough, excuse me, two and two against the, the Patriots in the postseason in Foxborough. And the two games they lost. Um, the guy that kicked briefly here, whose name escapes me right now, shanked the field goal after the, the receiver dropped the touchdown pass that would have beaten the Patriots in the AFC title game. And then in a playoff game in 2014 or 2015, Ravens were up you know, 17 points and lost that game 35-31. So that, that is the organization by far and away that Belichick respects the most. Well, it's one of the best defenses every single year. And so you got to respect that. But there, wasn't there a stat put up the other day that the Patriots had been 8-0 in their last eight in Baltimore? I don't know what the numbers were in Baltimore. That might be right. Yeah, they, they, there was a stat where, I mean, it is, it, yeah, it ha, they have given them the most problems, but 
they still beat them in Baltimore almost every time they play them. Yeah. Um, Cundiff was the kicker that I was thinking of. Cundiff. Yeah, because it was um, it was the year prior to that, uh, the, the year that they went in there and beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl in 2012 when right. they won the Super Bowl. It was the year before that the Ravens, late in the game, had a touchdown pass dropped with 20 seconds to go that would have given them the lead, and then Cundiff missed the, uh, the field goal that would have tied the game and forced overtime. Um, anyway, uh, a w- lot of good games coming up you know, in the next couple of weeks, but let's focus on Sunday. Uh, the Texans and Ravens. If I told you right now you could have Deshaun Watson for the next three years or Lamar Jackson for the next three years, who would you take? Flip a coin and go. They're both great quarterbacks. I think Deshaun Watson would be, although he got injured, what, two years ago, I think you would still consider the way he's playing to be less injury-prone. Like, you know you'd get him, or you, your percentage of having him healthy 16 games would be higher. Lamar would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't I, know. I, I gave you call offense accordingly. I gave you three years because I think if I gave you the next ten years, you would take Watson. Not yeah, Watson. Watson's really good too. Though. Really good. Really good. Uh, who do you like in that game? Do the te- do, you, do you like the tech? I know you're not a big Bill O'Brien fan. Can the Texans go in and beat Baltimore? They're only a four point underdog Monday, uh, Sunday. They can. I think any time you play Baltimore, there's a chance. That... Lamar hasn't turned it over very often this year. But he's, like you said when we started, Mason Rudolph had four picks. He could have had seven. Lamar could have two or three picks in every game. It's true. He's had a lot of pick opportunities not, not end up coming to fruition. He's had a lot of FU ball. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they can go. Houston can definitely go in and win. But I wouldn't bank on that. I think Baltimore's a better team. Until someone really stops Lamar Jackson, I I got a bet on him. What's wrong with the Rams? I got a lot of thoughts on this, but I think Goff's probably number one. Two, there's a chemistry problem clearly between Sean McVay and Todd Gurley. Three, they're... Offense is not the same as it was a year and a half ago with all the up-tempo pre-snap stuff where they were hurrying to the line of scrimmage or they were coming up and double cadence and it's so many motions. and They just line up and run it right now, which I do like. I appreciate I love the ability to line up and run it. But to me, it's almost more like Indy with Manning. They have more formations, but they just line up and run plays. I think they got to get back to some of the tempo some of the pre-snap stuff and everything they're doing um, on offense. But that, what's, what's wrong with the Rams is clearly the, the offense. Last one. Um, any thoughts on this Kaepernick workout tomorrow? It sure seems like a setup by the NFL. How so? Nope. Who can go watch this workout? Well, GMs and coaches, obviously not. Scouts, right? Yeah. Well, GMs could definitely go watch the workout. Yeah, that's true. So we're clear. GMs are going to fly their owner's plane down to Atlanta on a Saturday, and they're going to watch a two-hour workout, and they're going to fly back to whatever game they're at. The the GMs can go. 
in theory, coaches coaches aren't going to go. No coach of any team is going to go unless you're on a bye week. So scouts can go, but if you're signing a quarterback, I'd probably want some coaches there, unless it was a GM. I'll be really interested to see how many people show up at this workout. But there are some potential spots you know, that he could go. I just don't see him as a you know, you go to Pittsburgh right now. Right. Pittsburgh has nothing. I was just thinking He's the same to, thing. Pittsburgh would be an interesting spot for Cap. Uh, you know, the Bears would be an interesting spot for Kaepernick. Right kind of coach. There's, there's a couple interesting places for Kaepernick. To me, it's essentially going to be the organization saying, will you stand or you take a knee? And it depends on their stance on that. Because more organizations than not now have gotten to the point where they're saying, we want our players to stand. I'll bet that goes into the new CBA. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, all right, uh, we can do that another time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I he's going to the, – the, there's a, the workout and the interview. He's going to get asked in the interview, how are you going to handle the anthem? By the way, somebody tweeted me yesterday, wouldn't it be hysterically funny if they played the anthem before his workout? No, that wouldn't be funny. <laughs> oh, it's just funny. It was a funny tweet. I didn't say it would. Be, I didn't mean <laughs> that funny. it would be funny. I think it was a funny tweet. Um, all right, I know you got to roll. Uh, I will talk to you later. Oh, real quickly, pick uh, the Redskins win or not? Yeah, they find a way to this one out. Okay, uh, I'll talk to you later. Appreciate it as always. Later. All right, I'll have my uh, skins Jets pick uh, at the end of the show, but let's get to the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's, it's time, time for the, the smell test. test. Okay, um, rough patch, you know, during the season for the smell test. Four and eight last week. Uh, that is, I think, the worst week of the year. I've had a bunch of four and fives, a four, five, and one, or whatever. Um, 63, 55, and two on the season. So, Aaron, at one point, you know, in late September, early October, I think I was up 25 units, something like that. Now it's down to eight. So um, a lot of football left, though. I mean, we got a lot of weekends of, of, of smell test picks, seven more NFL weekends. We got, you know, two or three, four more college football weekends and all the bowl games. You know, when we get into the holiday season, when we're doing a podcast on a Wednesday and there are five bowl games, probably have one or two picks for you. Can't promise they're going to win. But I promise you that they will be the side that your bookmaker needs. Because that's essentially what the smell test is. It's going against the public for those of you that don't know. All right. um, I like a game tonight, Aaron. Uh, I can't figure out why Fresno State is only a one-point underdog at number 24 San Diego State. There's no serious injuries in that game. Fresno's 4-5, and five, San Diego State's 7-2. and two. San Diego State is the 24th-ranked team in the country, and they're laying one. Not to mention that game opened at two, and now it's down to one, so there's sharp action on Fresno. Uh, I'll have Fresno tonight and be up late watching Fresno against San Diego State on a Friday night. Why not? Let's go to Saturday, um, where I got several games. I actually like the board this week. I like a bunch of games. Um, Missouri has been horrible in recent weeks. There was that stretch where they were playing pretty good football, and we were like, I wonder if Missouri's any good in the Southeastern Conference. And then they lost to Vanderbilt, which was a, a weird game. They lost to Vanderbilt like 21-14. to And since then, Missouri has lost 29-7 to to Kentucky and 27 to nothing to Georgia. 
They are home this week for the first time since early October, and they're getting just seven against Florida. The line is definitely short. The public's pounding the Gators. I love Florida's team. I really do. Like, I think about this Florida season. In the game at LSU, which was 28-28, I think, early in the fourth quarter, they were they were without their two best defensive players, and you could argue that nobody's played LSU better than Florida played them in Death Valley. Uh, I really like their team, but this reeks. Uh, the public's on Florida. Give me Missouri plus the seven. Staying in the Southeastern Conference um, and talking about a team that had one of the signature wins of the season. Uh, it was South Carolina at home upsetting at that point, I think, fourth-ranked Georgia. Since then, South Carolina has been terrible. They lost to Florida the following week in a competitive game. Then they got blown out by Tennessee. They beat a bad Vanderbilt team and then lost last week at home to Appalachian State. Appalachian State, by the way, this year wins over North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, they're good. They were ranked at one point. But anyway, South Carolina is getting 11 and a half on the road at Texas A&M. They're not playing well. People understand that. They think this is a bad spot for them. I think A&M should be at least two touchdowns. They, they've, they've won big. They've scored big here recently. A&M's on a bit of a roll, not against great competition. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And somebody else out at a conference they crushed, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Uh, they are laying 11 and a half. I like South Carolina plus the 11 and a half. Uh, the game that probably, in terms of the point spread, seems the, the oddest out of all of them is Iowa being a three-point favorite Saturday against Minnesota. The undefeated Golden Gophers climbed up in the playoff rankings. Lots of buzz after they beat Penn State last week. And now they're going on the road uh, as an undefeated team, and they're an underdog against Iowa. The reason they're an underdog, just so you know, is Iowa's pretty good. They're really good on defense, and this is a major trap game coming off that win at Penn State. The public loves Minnesota. I like Iowa laying the three. Give me them. Uh, let's go to the ACC, where Georgia Tech's playing Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech won last week, and they nearly beat Notre Dame two weeks ago. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, has played better. Remember, the, the way their season started, it did not look pretty. It looked like there was, it was a potential, you know, long season for, for Fuentes and, and company down in Blacksburg. Um, but they've gotten it together. They're 6-3. and three. They're actually in the hunt in the Coastal. Uh, they beat Wake Forest badly last week, a week after nearly upsetting Notre Dame in South Bend. Um, they've won four of their last five, and they're laying less than a touchdown, you know, against Georgia Tech. I'll take the Yellow Jackets plus the six. I think I've had Georgia Tech a couple of times already in the smell test and won on all of them. I know I had them against Miami a few weeks ago, I believe. Or maybe I just played that one personally. Um, I like Georgia Tech plus the six. Uh, one more game. Iowa State's laying a pretty big number to Texas, seven. Uh, Iowa State nearly upset Oklahoma. This is too big of a number for most people. Uh, th this has people betting uh, Texas, who beat Kansas State, the team that beat Oklahoma last week. I like Iowa State laying uh, the seven points. Let's go to Sunday, where I'm going to give you a big underdog in the NFL that I actually think can win outright, and I'll tell you why. First of all, they're a major anti-public play, and it's Denver again. So... 
you know, hold your nose, yell at me all you want. I think I am th- three and two with Denver this year, four and two, whatever I am with Denver. I understand I liked them a lot before the season started, but they've won money for us this year. All right, Denver's been winning money for us all season long. They are at Minnesota. They're getting 10. It's a big number. The public still likes Minnesota in this game. Why? Well, they were impressive Sunday night winning at Dallas. You know, they're 7-3. and three. People love this team right now. But I'm telling you right now, Denver has played well. They had the bye week after beating Cleveland. They should have beaten Indianapolis the week before. I've said this multiple times about the Broncos. They are 3-6. and six. They could very easily be 6-3. and three. They've lost on two walk-off field goals at the gun and another late field goal at the very end. I'm sorry, three walk-off field goals. And no, that's not true. They lost on a walk-off field goal to the Bears. They lost on a near walk-off field goal to Jacksonville. And they lost on a walk-off field goal to Indianapolis. Their defense is nasty, and it's coached by their head coach, Vic Fangio, who was the defensive coordinator in Chicago. The team that Minnesota was essentially eliminated by last year was Chicago and Vic Fangio, who had Minnesota and Kirk Cousins in particular figured out. I think this is a really dangerous spot for the Vikings who want to continue to win and pile up wins as they try to get a playoff spot, try to hang in there in the NFC North. They're a 10-point favorite at home. I see Minnesota struggling tomorrow against Denver. I like the Broncos plus the 10. Tampa Bay uh, tomorrow uh, Sunday, excuse me, is getting a short number against the Saints who are coming off that loss, stunning loss at home to Atlanta. Public loves New Orleans to bounce back in a big way against a Tampa team that is really capable offensively. I mean, you can say whatever you want about the Bucs. I mean, they're not winning a lot of these games, but they're scoring in all of these games. You know, they they are they are a good, they're a good team offensively. Um, they lost to the Saints in the first game by seven. They're catching five and a half here. I like the Bucks plus the five and a half at home. Sunday night, this is a big game for the Rams at home against the Bears. It's a big game for the Bears, too, if they want to hang in the playoff race. But something's wrong with L.A. The public doesn't see it yet. They're seeing a, a, a line less than seven. They think the Bears are lousy and struggle to score, which is true. I'll take the Bears plus the six. They are definitely an anti-public side. And then one more in the NFL that comes Monday night in Mexico City. I'll take the Chargers plus the four against the Chiefs. The public loves the Chiefs despite what happened last week. And I think, you know, the Chargers at four and six, they have counted out. I like the Chargers to maybe lose another close game at the gun, you know, by three. Uh, But I like the Chargers plus the four. All right, recapping uh, this smell test. Uh, Tonight, Fresno plus one. Saturday, Missouri plus seven. South Carolina plus 11 and a half. Iowa minus three. Georgia Tech plus six. And Iowa State minus seven. Sunday, the Broncos plus 10. The Bucks plus five and a half. And the Bears plus six. And then Monday night, the Chargers plus four. Uh, as you were doing that, we do have some breaking news on the Miles Garrett situation and all the suspensions that were were uh, sent out. Miles Garrett suspended minimum for the remainder of the season and postseason and has to apply for reinstatement. It is officially an indefinite suspension. Wow. 
That's even more than that. I thought he'd get six games regular season. You know, there's still a chance the Browns could make the postseason. Yes. So they're eliminating him now from the postseason and essentially saying, you may be suspended for next year, too. Correct. Wow. Yes. He'll have to re- reapply for reinstatement. That is, three. by the way, I that is a that's a record punishment. It has to be. Uh, for a single incident. For a single incident, not a, an accumulation of, yes. like with Burfecht, as exactly. an example. Yes. For a, the, I think the previous one was the Hainsworth stomping on a head, which was five games. Okay. Uh, Pouncey was suspended for three games. And wow. Pouncey got three games yeah and then uh Ogunjobi was one game that was uh number 65 who came in and pushed Rudolph there at the end yeah what about have they talked about fines yet uh they said additional discipline will uh will be forthcoming but no as far as fines for other players no my immediate reaction to that is that's too severe um Six games and a massive fine, and even if they wanted to, uh, to 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 suspend him through a potential postseason, that would have been fine. But they've essentially kicked him out of the league and said you've got to you you have to apply for reinstatement, right? And is pretty, that what you're much, saying? Yes, it's an indefinite suspension, and you have to you know reapply to come back in to make it stop. Man, the reaction to this thing. I mean, I'm all look. Uh, again, not excusing it, uh, certainly not apologizing for it. It's just the reaction to it, to me, was, you know, everybody. It, 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 media, the, the the broadcasters, athletes, former GMs, you know, on Twitter, current players, just all weighing in, all in unison on this, all in agreement that it was the worst thing they have ever seen on a football field. I just thought that that reaction was a bit over the top. But I think he deserves a significant suspension. It was a terrible thing he did. Again, you know, people, I can say it's an awful thing. He deserves the maximum suspension, which to me would have been six games. All right, And I can also say that the reaction to it was a bit over the top from my standpoint. That's all. Those two things are mutually exclusive from one another. So don't tweet me and say, you thought what he did was okay? No, I don't. <laughs> In reality, though, this probably is a six-game suspension for him. Yeah, because they're likely not going to make the playoffs, especially without him. Right. Because he's their best defensive player, exactly. maybe their best player. And then he'll apply for reinstatement and be eligible probably to start next year. Yes. And they'll say, you know, sentence served. Yes. Basically. Uh, I think I agree with that. I, do, I, I think, but, they, you know, I this, think they had to do it this way because otherwise, if you you know you say it's an eight game suspension, you go into next year, but you also want to make sure he can't play in the postseason. Yeah, basically what they were saying was this is a this is the rest of the season suspension. All right, so there you go. We had the uh, we had the update here during the podcast. Didn't have that on the radio this morning. Don't forget, I'm on radio seven to ten a.m. Uh, on Team Nine Eighty, Team Nine Eighty dot com, Team Nine Eighty app. Also on FM ninety five point nine FM. Couple of other things just to finish up the show. There's no new news on the Monte Nicholson thing. If you know that story, I'm sure you do at this point. Um, I didn't bring it up with Cooley for that reason. It is that nobody knows anything at this point. Um, it's a very sad situation. A 21-year-old female overdosed, died at Innova Hospital in Ashburn. And according to TMZ Sports, Monte Nicholson and another person dropped this woman off at 1.30 a.m. early Thursday morning and didn't hang around. They brought her into the emergency room 
left her there. He's cooperating with authorities. We don't have any other information on that. So to speculate would be ridiculous. And to, you know, to speculate with his background, having been arrested and involved in that, uh, in that melee out at one Loudon, you know, a year ago now, um, the, the two events are completely separate of one another. I don't have any information on that. Um, Lastly, I wanted to just, before I get to a Redskins-Jets pick to finish up the show, did you watch Michigan State-Seton Hall at all last night? I did watch a decent chunk, especially the second half. Two good teams. Very good teams. And Maryland will play Michigan State twice this year, and they're going to play Seton Hall in December on the road. Seton Hall's got some men on that team, and they've got, you know, it's funny because I had Turgeon on the radio show this morning and talked about uh, how impressed I was with the Rhode Island game, that they got punched in the mouth a little bit by Rhode Island. Aaron, and they responded. And you know what Turgeon said to me this morning? He said, you know, there's this rap that we're soft, that we can be bullied around. And I, he's like, I, I don't think that's going to be our team this year. But there, we've, we've got that rep. And you know what? They have had that rep to a certain degree. And guess what? The two biggest teams and baddest teams and most physical teams and bullying teams that they have left on their schedule played each other, Michigan State and Seton Hall last night. Two really good basketball teams. Uh, that was an entertaining game. And Cassius Winston hit the dagger and then hit some free throws, and Seton Hall lost the game by three. But Seton Hall was ranked 12th, Michigan State third, um, and Maryland plays Seton Hall uh, in mid-December. And then they've got two games with Michigan State this year. Both of them, the uh, you know the the Big Ten is scheduled for later in the year. I don't know if you've noticed that, um, Aaron. Both of them on Saturdays. Late in the season, um, I'm, 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 I'm thinking they haven't even put times on those games because they're thinking that those could be ESPN right. game day type of events um, when they get to those games. Hopefully, they mean something that big when they get there. Uh, I might go to the Maryland game tomorrow. They play Oakland. Uh, you know, I'll be there. Tomorrow. All right, so I'll see you there if I go. Uh, it's an early game. There's no great football early in the day, right? right. I don't think so. So uh, I'll probably be at that game. Uh, all right, my pick, uh, Redskins, Jets. I like the Jets to win the game. 17 to 13. They're they're better than the Redskins. The Redskins are terrible. They stink. The Redskins could win this game. They're a two and a half point favorite. Line keeps going up. I don't know. I think Darnold's, you know, and their offense is capable, as Cooley said. I just think it's, you know, a short game. I mean, these games are Callahan's games are shorter than his press conferences. That's for sure. God, he had another, another war and peace press conference yesterday. I mean, it was four-minute answers. Uh, We didn't uh, make you suffer through any of those today. Um, All right, have a great weekend. Back on Monday with a recap of the game and more.